She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The system is full. Can't take you anymore. Can't take you anymore. I'm sorry. Can't happen. So turn around. That's the way it is. Kevin McAleenan brings a lot to the table from his background in customs. He's already stated that we're at a breaking point. He realizes the serious issues that are occurring at the southern border. He realizes that we are at a national crisis. Whoever can apologize the most for the most different things is going to win the Democrat nomination. It's almost like they want to make America apologize again, and it's just a bizarre thing to watch. Hey, part of the reason I'm here is because of him and President Obama. If they did a good job, I probably wouldn't be president. What else do you have to say? And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Monday to you. It's good to be with you. It's good to be, you know, live and direct. Um, we have to be grateful. We have seen us, uh, seen another day. God has given us another day. So uh, hallelujah for that. And we have a great program for you today. We are going to be chatting with a fantastic guest. First of all, uh, let me just say, are you praising God for the weather? Because um, I am. It's finally here. Spring has sprung. And I'm so excited that we actually have weather. We just, it, I'm, I don't even have the words, y'all, because the weather has been so bad and it's been so oppressive. And now here we are and we have good weather. So I'm really, really just, I'm overjoyed. I, so I got to do some gardening over the weekend. Um, daughter, the youngest, and I head out to one of the local home improvement stores and we got some, like the, some of the garden garden going, like the food. Um, three kinds of bell peppers, which you can check out my Instagram. I haven't put pictures up of them yet, um, but I have three kinds of peppers. They're really small plants, so I don't know how long it'll be before I actually get a pepper out of one of those. But a pretty good-sized tomato bush. And then some greens, like, um, you know, for salads, like butter lettuces and stuff like that. It's my first time doing those. So we'll see if I'm able to keep them alive and have something to eat. But right now it's an actual plant that I can actually get some leaves off of. So I'm planning on doing something with those tonight. Um, and then we did some things in the courtyard at the front of our house where we just put in some flowers and things. Just It just totally brightens up the area. So if you've been able to do that too, you know how excited it is. It's just exciting to get to do something. There's so much more to be done, but, uh, you know, praise God, get to still do some stuff. So that's awesome. So welcome to the show here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thanks for being with us. Um, I actually want to point you, first of all, we're going to talk about the failures at the southwest border and how those, and I think a little bit of, I'm not saying ineptitude as if to say I, I'm, that's not a that's not a slam or a dig. I'm just saying when we have this kind of overflowing at the border and we haven't figured out a way to parse our laws in, in you know to enable us to stop that, then you have to look at the person who's in charge, and that's Kirsten Nielsen. And you know I've been I've been a total cheerleader for her, and I've also been pretty critical. So we'll get into uh, the fact that she's now out. She's resigned after a meeting with the president at the White House. Uh, she's gone and. They've named um, a gentleman as her interim replacement and also the head of, I guess, the Secret Service. He's out. He reported directly to her, and apparently they were, I don't want to say close, but they were, they worked together a lot, and he, and, uh, you know, they were favorably minded towards each other. 
we're going to talk about the president telling illegal aliens to stop coming because there's no more room. Um, and you might remember that story from last year where during the Kavanaugh hearings, some of the personal identifiable information like cell phone numbers, et cetera, some of that information appeared on Twitter um, and it was traced back to an account at the House of Representatives. And so it was a staffer. And it turns out it was a Democratic staffer, a staffer working for some Democrats. And he actually doxed a couple of members of Congress. Well, he's pled guilty now, and we're going to talk about that, and I'll give you some more details on that. We're also going to get into, apparently Senator Kennedy has submitted a bill uh, to stop nondisclosure agreements from being the, the rule du jour uh, amongst those who sexually harass their employees, and then they make them sign an NDA in order to access settlement for it. So they don't admit that they're guilty, but the fact that they're willing to pay the staffer off is as long as the staffer, these are usually women, as long as that woman will be quiet, is something that taxpayers should not, we should never, ever have to put up with that. We, our money should never go to pay people to shut up when they've been sexually harassed. People who sexually harass their employees should not be in Congress. That, that's how it should work. And so this bill would do something to uh, make that more difficult. We're also going to be chatting in this hour with uh, Jeremy Smith. He's the founder of Faith Ascent Ministries. And uh, my kids have gone to his camps a few times before, and this has been a real game changer for us as a Christian family. Um, as as communicative as you guys know I am, <laughs> let's, let's face it, I'm a talker, have been ever since I was a baby. Um, there's just some stuff that I've come to realize over time that I'm not equipped to handle with our kids. And when I say equipped to handle, God has equipped me to be their mom. He has equipped you to be the parent or grandparents of your children, your grandchildren. So we're equipped, but there's also so much benefit in wise counsel. The Bible tells us to seek wise counsel. And so there are ways in which a person who's younger and fresh and just full of the love of Jesus Christ and has their own personal backstory of redemption and salvation and really where God has rescued them, broken them free from chains and released them out with a mission how that person, that younger person, can speak to your kids in ways that maybe you can't. And so this is not meant to crack open an argument about whether or not we should have children's ministry or youth ministry or kids should sit in church with their parents or what have you. Just, you know, save that for another host or another uh, somebody. I'm, I'm talking about summer camps and how we can access them to further our children's walk with the Lord and to make them, equip them to be ready to defend the faith. And so that's what Faith Ascent has done for our children. And it's, it's not over, but it has been such an amazing experience. And I've learned so much. And when I say I've learned so much, I mean, I've learned, even in, in the amazing amount of information I've been able to share with the kids and I've been able to um, glean for myself, there are some topics that I wasn't aware of that were covered at this camp. And so we're going to get into all of that with Jeremy. Um, he's a friend of mine, uh, you know, full disclosure, I know people keep yelling at me about being a journalist. And, uh, you know, I never said I was a journalist. I'm, I'm an opinion writer and, and I host a radio program. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to speak to him about it. I want anyone who has kids or grandkids in the listening audience to uh, hear his heart on what he's been able to do with these camps and to consider, you know, what, what, what are your kids doing this summer in the way of Christian apologetics and what they can learn. Um, so right now, uh, we're going to talk about Christians mourning and repenting for their silence on abortion. We are also 
uh, going to get into on the program today. Just, just right now, I first want to give out the call. So we've been talking about this movie, Unplanned, and we've been talking about how it's been setting people free. People have gone in and come out feeling as if they were redeemed from their own abortion or their participation in the abortion of a, a girlfriend, wife, whatever, sister, daughter. Um, and and there have been people have reached out. People have said on air, I saw it and, and I felt set free. People have commented online. I saw it. I, I felt set free. But you might not be one of those people. You might be listening to this show right now and you're thinking, I can't go see that movie because I can't relive that again. I can't go through that again. Or I can't go see this movie because I'm, I'm, I'm still under condemnation for that. That's something that God can never forgive me for. Now, that's the enemy. The enemy would have you to think you can never be forgiven for having an abortion or for participating in helping someone else or even influencing someone else to have an abortion. The enemy would have you to think that if you did something like that, you're irredeemable. You cannot be helped. That's just not true. And we know it's not true because God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love in Jeremiah 31.3. And so you might say, God, how could you love me? I've had an abortion. Well, God says, you are my child and I am your father. See 1 John 3 and 1. But God, I've killed my baby. Am I still your child? Ephesians 1.3 says, it is my desire to lavish my love on you. Now, we know by the statistics that so many women in America have been impacted by abortion. Millions of women have had abortions and their families and everyone, they have to go through it on their own, suffering because they don't believe they deserve forgiveness. God is the chain breaker. He's the ultimate freedom fighter for us. He provides a means of escape from the condemnation of any sin that we've committed by simply turning away from that sin and saying, "Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not only God's child, but I'm forgiven. And so I want you to, first off, I just, I need you to know that if you hear that in your spirit, that is not from God. God wants to forgive you. Now you might be listening and you're saying, you know, I'm not a Christian. So that doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. If you want to be in the family, if you want to be forgiven for every sin, all you have to do is say, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day for all of my sins. And I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I want him to come into my heart and live in me for all eternity. And then, of course, Ask a friend who goes to church if you can join. Can I, can I come to church with you? Go with them. Next time they're having baptism, get baptized. And bam, bam, boom. It's so easy. So the, there's, there's no person who's sinned who you're, you're saying to yourself, yeah, that's for like people who've only lied a little bit, but not for me. I've had an abortion. No way, no how. You are forgiven. You are set free as well. All you have to do is ask. So I have this after abortion, God offers forgiveness, healing, and hope. And I have a few of these pamphlets. I think I have maybe six of them. And I picked them up at a Luncheons for Life that I went to a few weeks ago. And I felt led over the weekend to read through this. And it's, it's fantastic. It's basically your own little personal individual Bible study that you can do. Um, you can find Bible studies at Pregnancy Resource Centers. I'm getting a little overheated here because I went for a walk right before the show. Um, <laughs> you can find um, Bible studies that help you to go through the process of forgiveness and healing at pregnancy resource centers all across the country. 
But this ministry, a prayer booklet for women, you can visit them at waupartners.org and you can get this pamphlet. Or um, if you call in, you know, if you call into the show and give your information to um, my, my producer, the call screener, um, for the first six people who do so, I will mail this down to, to Tupelo and they'll get it to you, okay? Um, I have the six copies, but you can go access it yourself at that website. And I'll put that in the comments on Facebook, on the live streams and YouTube as well. But what I want to say to you right now is that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So while we feel the guilt of our sin, God stands ever ready to forgive us and not just to forgive us and then beat us over the head with it. You know, you, we've all had someone in our life like that, a family member, someone we work with where they'll say, you say, I'm sorry about that. And they're like, sure. Okay. You know, and then later they're like, yeah, just like when you did so-and-so and they never let you forget that you made a mistake. Right? So what I want you to do is, is that's not how God is. God is never like that with us. His word says he separates the sin from us when we repent He separates our sin from us as far as the East is from the West. He throws the sin and the knowledge of it into the sea of forgetfulness, and he remembers it no more. Now, we are the ones who have to let it go because we know what we've done, and we the guilt and the condemnation want to come upon us, but there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, again, if you're post-abortive and you don't want to go see Unplanned because you feel like you can't go through it again, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ Jesus, who strengthens you. And I want to put the graphic up for those who are watching the live stream. Thanks to Devin, my producer, for putting these together for us. And I just want to encourage you to, you can watch a 30-minute sneak peek by texting BABY to 53445. You can go to unplanned.com, and you can find out more about the movie there. You can go to waupartners.org for this After Abortion, God Offers Forgiveness, Healing, and Hope, the prayer booklet for women. And if you, if you feel like you know, you're, those resources don't work for you, you don't want the booklet, you're not sure if you want to see the movie, I would encourage you to call any, any pregnancy resource center and ask someone there to pray with you. Um, any person who works at a uh, pregnancy resource center can pray with you on the phone. They don't have to know you. They don't even have to know your real name. They'll pray with you to help you get on the path to healing and redemption. And I just encourage you to do it. I want you to see the movie and I want you to walk in the forgiveness that is yours, bought and paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. That's available to you. And if you don't have it right now, I want you to have it. God wants you to have it. When we get back, we're going to have Jeremy Smith. Stay right there. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, healthcare, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your healthcare. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. That's 855-PSALM-23. 
855-PSALM-23. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. We've all heard this line, life is not fair. Not only is life unfair, it can be downright unjust. Think about 9-11, the Rwandan genocide, the Holocaust, all horrific examples of injustice. Then we all have our own personal stories of pain and suffering and injustice. It seems as if there are not enough advocates to fight for the powerless. Sometimes I wonder, why wasn't I born in 1845 to grow up a slave? What did my ancestors do to be treated the way they were treated? You know what? I don't despair. I may not understand all the evils of society, but I do know this, that there is a day of reckoning coming because we serve a just God. Listen to these words in Psalm 35, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. David feels overwhelmed. The odds are against him. He's running from his enemies. Apparently, they outnumbered him. He's saying, what can I do? I need help. And he cries out to God, O Lord, contend with those who contend with me. They're fighting me. Of course, God will not allow this prayer to go unanswered. Those of us who feel the odds are against us, we're the objects of injustice. God has heard all those prayers, and in his sovereignty and his time, he's going to act on behalf of the helpless. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Ultimately, no one ever gets away with anything. Because there is a God in heaven, there will be a day of judgment and the execution of justice. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. You can find out more about me at StacyOnTheRight.com. You can go to AFR.net, and you can go to OneNewsNow.com to get all of the best news and information syndicated all over the country. I think they have 800 stations that carry our news, and that's a ministry of uh, American Family Association. So, uh, you know, get the best news from the best sources, and thank you so much for making your home at American Family Radio. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome a good friend of mine, Jeremy Smith. Jeremy is the Director of Ministry at Faith Ascent Ministries. The website is faithascentministries.com. His life was miraculously changed when Jesus rescued him in 1996, and since then, he's been passionate about helping the non-religious and religious to think through and seriously consider what they believe, why they believe it, and why it matters. Since 2010, Jeremy has been serving Faith Ascent as one of the founding leaders. Now, he studies select topics related to Christian apologetics, evangelism, philosophy through Biola University in La Mirada, California, and Covenant in St. Louis. He's a member of the Christian Apologetics Alliance, the Missouri Apologetics Network, and St. Louis's Reasonable Faith Chapter. He also serves as corporate chaplain at Cordell & Cordell. <laughs> so, Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Stacy. All right, let's talk about this. You run something called Faith Ascent. And Faith Ascent, one of its ministries, is a camp, a summer camp called Base Camp. What is it? Yeah, Base Camp is our flagship event, and it's essentially um, a lot like other summer camps aimed at Christian teenagers. There's fun, there's fellowship, but most importantly, it's intense preparation for the challenges, and I would say also the opportunities 
that Christians are going to be presented with in a college setting. Okay, so when you say college setting, the first thing that was when I first heard about your camp years ago, before our kids ever went, someone said, oh, it's, it's at Linden University. They sleep overnight in the dorms. And um, it's a lecture-based camp. And the first thing I thought was, lecture-based? Why would my kids enjoy that? And as you know, because you know all three of our kids, they don't just enjoy it. They love it. What is it about a lecture-based camp that, that kids love and come back to year after year and actually are upset when they can't come back anymore because they've aged out? <laughs> well, I think um, you know, part of the reason for that safety is because in youth ministry, in church, um, kids are... They're taught what to believe, which is important and right, and they should be taught that. But I don't think a lot of attention and energy is spent teaching students, young people, um, why they believe. And so at Base Camp, you know, one of our values is we believe that good questions deserve good answers. So we try to pinpoint, you know, those questions that young people are asking, the questions that they're being asked by their non-Christian friends, and we try to link up the right speakers at the right time to answer the right questions. So I think kids just love it when they're given extra information, extra evidence, extra resources from top-notch speakers, experts, etc., to really think through not just what they believe, but, hey, why is this even believable? Okay, so, Jeremy, you hit the nail on the head there because a lot of parents, their ears have perked up. They're like, wait a minute. So these are the questions that the, after church a kid asks. Or worse, you get your kid in the car, you pick them up from school, or you pick them up from their other summer camp, and they ask you this really hefty theological question that you maybe don't know the answer to. I know for me, I don't know all of the answers to the theological questions. I just believe like my life depends upon it. But I, there are times where the kids have asked me questions and I've been stumped and we've had to research it together. But when you're in the car and you're driving along at 55 or 70 miles an hour, and your kid asks you this question and you can't answer, it kind of makes them feel like you believe for no reason, or their questions can't be answered, and why should they believe it? And your camp takes all of that and blows it away because the speakers are so knowledgeable, and they don't have, they're, they're unstumpable. There are no theological or Bible-based questions or scientific questions that kids can ask that your speakers a wide array of people from lots of different uh, backgrounds, they can't answer. There's nothing to stump them. Yeah, and so I'm with you, Stacey. Like, I'm not always the best guy to ask tough questions to, theological questions, scientific questions, historical. I've spent some time studying, but I, I know enough to know that I don't know that much. And so we do try, uh, whenever we can, to link up the right experts to answer these questions. And while... I'm sure that a lot of our speakers would say there are lots of questions that are hard to answer. The good news is that, you know, there aren't any questions that apply to fundamental, foundational Christian doctrines that can't be answered well when you really look at the science and the philosophy and the history. I mean, we always tell students that Christianity is unique amongst all the different worldviews and that it's actually true. And because it's true, we don't have to be afraid of things like science and philosophy and history. I mean, these, you know, Christianity corresponds to reality at mm -hmm. every turn. It does. So for, I, I didn't ask you, and I want to make sure we get this out on the interview. What is Faith Ascent's mission? Why, why does it exist? 
Yeah, well, you alluded to it, but I think that our, our mission, uh, and I, it's a long mission, but let me sum it up. Uh, we exist to reduce the number of professing Christian teenagers abandoning their beliefs in college and then disengaging from the church. And again, one of our values is just making sure that young people are leaving home equipped with good reasons for the hope they have in Jesus, uh, which is a reference to First Peter 3.15, but also uh, that they're being connected with campus ministries wherever they land. So, and you helped our daughter uh, find Christian Campus Fellowship on her college campus, and we were really excited about that. And it, it was as if you had kind of opened a, like a little mini family for her because they met us on campus on move-in day in her room. The husband and wife team showed up in the room, and they were using, like, they were talking to her, and I, I you know, I can hear because we're in this tiny freshman dorm room. And I heard them use a little phrase that my dad used to use all the time. And I thought to myself, okay, God, you're trying to, you're trying to settle me down. Cause I'm, I'm over here. Like I'm, I'm on the bullet train to basket case bill. And these two people come in and start talking to her like they've known her forever. And she has interface with them. Like she's been, it's been, it's been a process where she's been easing in, but they've been there and available to her. And these, this couple is not unique to our daughter's campus. They're all over the country just waiting for our Christian kids to appear at the campus so they can welcome them in and help them navigate. Yeah. And I, by the way, your story is just one of several. And we didn't realize this when we first started in 2010, but after a couple of years, we, well, we, we came to the very, very important conclusion that um, training before college is just part of the process. Mm-hmm. If these students are not connected, with Christian community, wherever they land, we're really missing an important piece of the puzzle. And so we want to make sure that we're just kind of stacking the deck, Stacey. You know, in your daughter's case, we got a read on her, you know, her, her Christian tradition, uh, what she was going to be studying, where she was going to land, and we tried to give her about four or five options of different campus ministries and even healthy churches that were near the college. So I'm so mm-hmm. glad that she took advantage of that, because community, as I'm sure you know, is... 75% of the battle at that age. We can equip them for days, and we should, but we've got to make sure that they are connected with a family of believers wherever they land. So, Jeremy, you hit the, the head, the nail on the head there, and I, I want to I go into um, the results that you've seen, like what parents say about it, what kids say about it at Faith Ascent, because I've talked about your ministry on air before. Um, I always, if, if I encounter someone who says, you know, my, my kid has questions I can't answer, I always say, oh, well, there's a camp for that. And I always tell them what it is because I'm like, this, this is something that helped us so much. I want other people to know that don't, you don't have to battle this on your own. And you're right about the community. For, for my husband and I, we were plugged in at church to the degree that we want to be plugged in because we're older and we have, you know, each other and we have kids. But when you're a teenager and you're in a new environment like college, or even if you're still at home in, in high school, you, if you don't have believers around you, it's easy for the culture to suck you in. So what can you tell us about what people say about Faith Ascent and what impact it's had for their kids? Yeah, yeah. So people are usually in two different categories here. Some people want the heartwarming, uh, uh, emotionally sort of driven story, and we have a lot of those. Other people really want the hard data. So I'll kind of start with the stories quickly and just say that Almost every student that we've ever interviewed or surveyed says that, you know, base camp was one of the first times they were in an environment where questions were not just welcomed, 
but they were really answered well by qualified experts. Uh, besides that, they feel like it's a very safe opportunity to wrestle with these big doubts that they can't always describe or articulate without fear of some kind of repercussions in youth group or at home. And that's not to say that youth groups and homes aren't safe, but let's just face it, it's a little harder to talk to your parents and your youth pastor about your doubt doubt than it is to talk in a group where you have some degree of uh, anonymity. So uh, those are some of the stories that we hear. They love it. Oh, and they love the denominational diversity. We hear that over and over. You know, students from lots of different Christian traditions, theologically conservative, but very different traditions, coming together and seeing that, oh my goodness, we agree on so much more than I than we ever knew. And I can't wait to meet people like you in college. So that's the, you know, the emotionally driven side. And then, of course, there are some students that, you know, maybe weren't sure what they thought, and this was the game changer for them. That one doubt, that one question was finally answered, and they felt confident. So that's the one hand. Those are some of the stories that we're hearing. But um, the hard data shows us, and this is based on our most recent and most conservative estimates. After 10 years, over 85% of our base camp graduates still love Jesus and are still connected with Christian community after four years of college. And that's of almost 100 students now. And we, we get about 100 a year, but because of the ages, that's the amount of graduates that we currently have. We're praying and hoping that that trend continues. God's in charge of that stuff, but we like to think that, that we're part of this process, and there's something special that the Holy Spirit is doing through this real intense intellectual preparation. Okay, so let's have a little bit of tough question and answer round. Um, do atheists attend the camp? We have had students that attended the camp that were not believers, but that was after a, a long talk with parents and the students, too, to make sure that they asked good questions, but they weren't, you know, divisive or adversarial. You know, our camp is geared towards professing Christians, and there are okay. lots of good places for speakers come in and kind of peek over the fence. We, we say that base camp is more for professing Christians, but at the same time, we, we have had some unbelieving students. And you know, when it comes to our survey, Stacey, every year we get a few students that maybe mom and dad think they're Christians, but on their surveys, and these are anonymous surveys, but they'll tell us, you know, I'm, I'm not a believer, or I'm not sure where I'm at. Mm. And we see over and over and over students saying when they first come in, not a believer, and then they leave and say, I, I believe that I can, I can accept this information, and I'm ready to take those next steps. I feel like mm -hmm. I can make a commitment here that I can respond to God tugging at my heart, and that's super cool. But yeah, to answer your question, we've had a few non-believing students, and they, they would say they're probably agnostic, maybe atheist, but yeah, um, as, long as, as long as they're there to learn and listen and ask the questions like all the other students, they're welcome. But we do yeah, I love that. Christian. I love it. I love that because that shows that you're not afraid to have a kid who it, that that's a kid who the, they'll need a little more and you're not afraid to tackle that. Um, OK, so another quick question. What about the fun? What kind of fun do they have? Now, I, I know the answer to this because my kids are always texting me the fun parts. <laughs> but tell tell the listeners what, what what's where's the fun in this whole thing? It's lectures. They get to eat lunch and breakfast and dinner. But what else? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the most fun that they have is writing a 20-page essay at the end of camp. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we are known for being very lecture-heavy. I mean, we're doing almost four lectures a day with panel discussions and small groups and breakouts, but, you know, students uh, have lots of free time, too. So we try to mix it up. You know, they, they hang out in the dorms, which we think is a really good uh, uh, sort of, I don't know, uh, it's exposure to college mm-hmm. life, right? It's inoculation of sorts. They get a feel for college. So they do spend time in the door, dorms. It's supervised, but, you know, they can kind of do whatever they want. They want to play foosball, eat some snacks, you know, watch a movie, play guitar, whatever. So that's a lot of fun. But in addition to that, we have, you know, access to the gym. They can play ultimate frisbee. They can shoot some hoops. There's a volleyball net outside. I mean, we, we really let them kind of run around the campus. And it's, you know, it's kind of controlled chaos. We have people there to supervise, but we also let them feel like they're in a college environment. And so in between lectures, in between meals, they have a lot of time to do fun stuff uh, that would be accessible to any student on a college campus. So I guess what I would say is because I'm I'm so I want I want to reiterate, if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Jeremy Smith. His ministry, Faith Ascent Ministries, runs base camp. It's their main event of the year. It's located in St. Louis. You also have a second base camp that happens in Phoenix, Arizona. Is that as, Am I right about that one? You are, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, just, um, gosh, it was two years ago, we decided that we wanted to have representation a little further west and, and in the future, hopefully a little further east. So, yeah, we, we actually have a uh, summer camp in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, that one, by the way, takes place July 19th through the 22nd. Uh, you can find out about that on our website. But that's at Prescott Pines. It's a nice uh, campsite there. A uh, little, little further uh, uh, elevated, too, so it's not quite as hot there in, uh, in Arizona. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we, that's our first, um, our first endeavor outside of St. Louis, uh, which is super cool. I mean, we did it last year, but... This is uh, this is our first, you know, real camp plant outside of St. Louis, and we're so happy to be coming up to our second year in Phoenix. So, Jeremy, I already have people in the live stream audiences who are saying, uh, "Do they do this in Texas?" And so, I would just encourage everyone to go to faithascentministries.com, find out about the two locations where there are currently camps, and look at ways that you can interface with Jeremy and his ministry here. It's been a blessing to the Washington household, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed if you uh, look it up and maybe send a kid or two or even some grandkids. Uh, check it out online at faithascentministries.com. Jeremy, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure, Stacey. God bless you. All right. Talk to you again soon. We will be back with more. Taking your calls at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. More after this. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. Winning a Super Bowl doesn't define Tony's success as a coach. After the Colts had won the championship in 2006, Tony and I needed to think about how long he should continue to coach. Our family was missing out on some things because they had so many demands on his time. I remember telling Lauren I was beginning to wonder what God's plan was for me and the future of our family. So we prayed and asked God to show us. We listened to His voice. The same can be said for you. If you want to know God's direction for your life, ask Him. God wants us to follow Him. 
So seek his direction and he'll guide you. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Jay Warner Wallace. I think we're blessed as Christians that we don't believe something that's not rooted in history. We believe something that had to actually occur. As Paul said, if the resurrection didn't actually occur in history, we're to be pitied. And that's the beautiful thing about Christianity is it's something you can actually investigate. I'm grateful for that because as an investigator, that's exactly how I came to faith. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Chris Brooks. A lot of parents raised their kids in church and did, in kind of scare quotes, everything right. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking at junior or sis or their son or daughter who's uh, walked away from the faith and said, your God is not my God. And they're wanting to know what do we do to reach them. Tuned in to Equipped, weekday afternoons at 12 Central on Urban Family Talk. Donald Trump's America. Democrats and President Trump continue to spar on several issues beyond public policy. Democrats want six years of the president's tax returns. But acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney said on Fox News Sunday, those returns are of no concern to many Americans. Voters knew the president could have given his tax returns. They knew that he didn't and they elected him anyway. Meanwhile, Democrats still seek the release of the full Mueller report. House Judiciary Committee Chair Gerald Nadler on CBS Face the Nation said Attorney General William Barr should comply. He's entitled to be a defender of the administration, but he is not entitled to withhold the evidence from Congress. But on Fox's Sunday Morning Futures, the Intelligence Committee's top Republican, Devin Nunes, said he'll send criminal referrals to the Justice Department concerning the Russia probe. Those crimes are lying to Congress, misleading Congress, leaking classified information. He says there will be conspiracy referrals as well. Gernal Scott, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So, as I say, and this is our new statement, the system is full. Can't take you anymore. Whether it's asylum, whether it's uh, anything you want, it's illegal immigration, can't take you anymore. We can't take you. Our country is full. Our area is full. The sector is full. Can't take you anymore. I'm sorry. Can't happen. So turn around. That's the way it is. You don't have to take them in. When your system is packed, when you cannot get another person in, when every one of your detention areas is teeming and you have to let people go into a country, they can't take them. Can't take them. We don't have room. We don't have room. Uh, that means you can't take them. You don't understand it. I don't think anyone's ever expressed it like that, but I'm expressing it like that. When it's full, it's full. You can't take them. They go back to Mexico, and Mexico will bring them back to their country. And that's President Trump. He was actually at a, it was a huge roundtable with a bunch of people who work at Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Um, and he just was, just he just had the microphone, and he was taking a couple of questions from reporters, and he just went there. And I think it's appropriate for him to say that as the president. And I just, I... So, look, I don't care who runs the Department of Homeland Security. I'm not partial to it being a man or a woman or, you know, I, I don't care who the person is. I just want it to be someone who's savvy enough to say, surely we have some laws on the books that can help us get this done. And if, if you have to take out the entire code 
of laws that have to do with immigration and have a team of attorneys from the White House. Just imagine the resources you have as a Department of Homeland Security. I'm sure they have their own attorneys, but they could tap White House attorneys. They could they could ask for resources from almost anywhere and have every single line gone over with the fine tooth comb to get procedural maneuvers to prevent illegal aliens from putting their feet on American soil and turn them around in Mexico. It, I, I just don't believe there's not a way. I, that's not how I operate my life. Oh, that can't be done. That's not something I, I like to say that I, that I say to people. Um, I, I believe in no when it comes to like God tells you no. Okay, no then. That, you know, you got to go with that. Uh, but just not being able to get something done, not an American law. Look at what the Democrats are able to do by picking and choosing and, you know, cobbling this law with that law. Look what they're able to do. They even flout the law and completely ignore what it says. So this isn't about liking or disliking. It's about having someone there who's effective, the right tool for the right job. And I, we knew this was coming. This has actually been rumored since months ago, like uh, Thanksgiving-ish. So, you know, it's happened. I don't think it's... Uh, I actually don't think it's a black mark on someone whose specialty is cybersecurity. Kirsten Nielsen's specialty is cybersecurity. I think sometimes the president, um, in his zeal to show that he can do anything that he wants to do, you know, it, it, it's not about whether or not we have the most women in the administration, although that is a good counterpoint to the, uh, the lie that's told that Republicans hate women. Um, it's a great counterpoint to have women in positions of authority, but let's choose the right tool for the right job not based on whether or not their gender matches up with a goal that we have, but based on the fact that they can do the very best job, that they're equipped to do the very best job and get things accomplished. Uh, the president only has so much time to accomplish his agenda. And the immigration issue is literally, it's a, if it's 4,000 a day, that's a problem. That's like saying, well, that building's on fire, but we can only get buckets here, you know, buckets of water instead of getting fire hoses and fire trucks and you know, really attacking the problem and dumping water on it through he with helicopters, we're just going to use buckets. No, 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 no. A problem of this magnitude requires every available resource to be marshaled and utilized to the utmost of its ability to put a stop to this. Uh, and I think the urgency has, we've now reached peak, peak urgency. So we'll see what happens. Um, so we have a lot to get through. I want to catch up a little bit. First off, um, I said we would talk about Christians mourning and, re and repenting for their silence on abortion. Uh, this is a story that I just caught just like, you know, kind of accidentally this morning. Um, I was looking online and I saw this and I was like, wow, um, I thought this is really a good thing for people to do because it can offer hope and healing. Um, the quote is, we have to own this. This happened in Richmond, Virginia. Hundreds of pro-life Christians came together on Saturday, not to protest a rally, but to repent for their silence and complicity on abortion. Something is desperately wrong with our hearts when we can drive by these abortion clinics every day and sit by silently and do nothing. And that's a quote from Elizabeth Johnston, who organized the Day of Mourning in Richmond, Virginia. She said, we walk by the cries of these babies. We have to own this. We are in our 11th hour in this country. If we don't turn from our wicked ways now as a nation, we are toast. So I encourage you. Um, this is as simple as her just putting out a call on Facebook and having people show up and, and, uh, and join. Um, Johnston um, Elizabeth Johnston, she's known as activist mommy on social media. And I think it's fantastic that she organized this and, and we have to say more power to her and more power to people who are really realizing that it's a, it's a heart issue. We have to repent. And then in turning away, fighting against, uh, the, the ills of abortion 
everywhere we find it because it's not just the government funding. Like she said, these clinics are in our neighborhoods. These clinics are in our communities. These clinics are, are we're, we, we, we drive the roads near these clinics. We've got to be more proactive about it. So I want to then jump over to, and let me just check, make sure we don't have any callers waiting. Okay. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Now, I want to get to um, Joe Biden. So I want you to listen to this audio clip and it's going to become evident to you why so many Democrats are desperate for Joe Biden to be the leader. First of all, Bernie Sanders is actually leading right now. And if the Democrats don't wake up and smell the burnt Starbucks, they are going to have Bernie Sanders as their candidate, which is going to be a new low for them because he's an open socialist. He would love for America to be a communist country. How can they like it, there's some, you, there has to be a place where you won't go. I mean, you have that place, don't you? I know I do. There's a place where in my mind I'm thinking I, I'll never go there. And then you have to fight and make sure you're not only never going to go there, but that you don't even get close. You don't even want to dance close to that never go there spot. You just want that to be as far away from you as possible. And I just don't see how they can like let this guy be their guy, like the face of who they are. Um, so Joe Biden, he's, he's in this audio clip. He distances himself from socialist leftists that are changing the definition of a progressive. What he doesn't understand is he's never looked it up. Joe Biden is so, you know, huggy, kissy, sniffy, kind hearted uncle, crazy uncle. He's so busy being cool and nice and being friends with Barack Obama. He's never stopped to look up. What does progressive mean? What what does a progressive progress to? Well, progressives progress to communism. If he would just look the stuff up for just like, I know we get busy. I know we have a lot to do. But what if he just looked up some of this stuff before he said it? So take a listen to uh, Crazy Uncle Joe. It's number four. My point is, is the definition of progressive now seems to be changing. It is, are you a socialist? Well, that, that's a real progressive. Uh, or you believe in, you know, whatever. I mean, so I, I was talking about up until this last time around, uh, the traditional judgments of whether or not you were, quote, a liberal, uh, was whether or not what, 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 what your positions on race were, on women, what your position on, on LGBT community, what your positions on civil liberties. You know, I'll stack my record on those things against anybody who's ever run, who is running now, or who will run. But, sir, are you suggesting that the party is moving as far as to the left? No. Can you win in a primary? Look, well, we'll find out whether I can win in the primary. All right. Thanks, everyone. But, you know, let me say one last thing. Here's the deal. I think you guys, if you look at all the polling data and look at the actual results, the party has not moved to way, whatever, how you, I don't want to characterize it, whatever characterization you just made. The fact of the matter is the vast majority of the members of the Democratic Party are still basically liberal to moderate Democrats in the traditional sense. And if you look at those, I went into 65, 66, 67 races on the ground. I campaigned, I think, for virtually every one of the 41 people who won. Show me the really left, 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 left winners who beat a Republican. A Republican. So he's talking about the uh, the the effort that the Democrats made to flip the House 
was won in no small part by Democrats running as moderates in heavily Republican areas. And so they capitalized on some angst that was there because they'd really drummed up this idea in the American populace that President Trump was guilty of treason and that it was just any minute now the Mueller report was going to come out and that it was going to convict the president. He was going to be impeached. And so what you need to do is give the House back to the Democrats. You can bring some sanity to this thing because the Democrats will impeach the president. The Republicans will not. And then Facebook helped by suppressing news stories and ads from Republicans to suburban women in those districts. And and I, I you know what? I hate to say this. But the truth will set you free. Suburban women, not not good, not good at researching information and making sure that they're voting for candidates based on facts instead of emotional rhetoric. There, I said it. Come at me, bro. Change my mind. Why in the world would Facebook alone be enough to sway suburban women, college educated women, women who, you know, over half of them stay home and have hours and hours and hours a day while their kids are in school to look up information and to read on both sides and to check the White House website to see exactly what the truth is. And these suburban women with the best educations, the best houses, the best pools, the best purses, the best box wine, the best access to church and education and libraries and the Internet, the women with the biggest, prettiest smartphones with the prettiest pop offs on the back, women who should never have been able to be swayed by actions made by Facebook and their algorithm actually flipped the House of Representatives for the Democrats based on lies. Yeah, I said it, suburban women. I'm a suburban woman, just in case you haven't noticed. So this is ridiculous. And now those same candidates are running two sets of ads. Those Democrats who were elected in these Republican districts, they're running lefty ads and targeting them to lefty areas. They're supporting the far left candidates but they ran as moderate, so they're hiding all of that stuff from their constituents. Don't be deceived, folks. <laughs> like I said, I don't care what kind of Democrat it is. If that person is not pro-life, you can go down the line. After you check their pro-life credentials, you can go down the line. And if you're really honest with yourself and you really put your Trump derangement syndrome down for three seconds, you're going to be able to tell right off if that person is a candidate worth your medal as a Christian. And that's where we are right now. People are going off of race and all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. Let's, you know what, since we're on this subject, uh, and, and I said race, I said it, and I'm going to finish it right here, right now. You know what God never says? Hey, black person, you're saved and redeemed. Hey, black person, you need to stop sending that. Hey, white person. He never says that in the Bible. Jesus never says to anybody in the Bible, oh, you look like a black person, or oh, you look like you. He never says that. So are we black first? If we're, if, if, are you white first? Are you Asian first? Are you, you know, as Hispanic people call themselves brown, are you brown first? Or are you, I'll just go down my list because I don't know yours, but this is just go down a few things I could say about myself. Christian, wife, mom, friend, sister, niece. I, I don't have any, uh, my sister doesn't have any kids, so I'm not, I'm not an aunt. Uh, Gardener, gun owner, Second Amendment advocate, Emmy-nominated television person, documentary person, uh, hmm, boot purchaser, <laughs> crafter, cook, baker, shopper, saver, 
I, I mean, I could just go down the list of things that I am. And then at the very end, I'd say, okay, well, I mean, sure, I'm permanently tanned. But what does that have to do with anything? It doesn't impact any of the things on the list before that. Other people may behave in this way or that based on that one characteristic, but is it the primary one? Is it the primary characteristic? And if you believe in Jesus Christ, the answer to that is no. So if you think, because you're not black, maybe you're voting because you want to be an ally to minorities and you want to make sure that minorities know that you're allied with them. And you're maybe saying, look, you know, the thing is, um, I got to vote against racism because uh, no, first of all, you don't have to vote against racism. Acts based in racism are already against the law. Discrimination is against the law, you know, all that stuff. So at this point, if you're voting on racial issues instead of voting on serious eternal issues like the pro-life issue, then you're, you've got everything out of whack. It's out of order. And it's perfectly fine to say, you know what? So I had that out of order. That's behind me now. I'm going to reorder my priorities so they more closely reflect what the word of God says about us, forgiven, redeemed, bought with a price, saved by God's grace. Uh, you know, Jesus is, is your friend, co-heirs with Christ. I could go on and on and on, but the, the, the big deal is, do you believe it? Would you rather believe a mantra and an ideology and a lifestyle that says that everything about you is contained in the melanin content that you have, the pigment of your skin, you're white, you're a racist, you're black, you're a victim, what? You'd rather re believe that than what God's word says about you? Not me. Not me. Not today. Not ever. I have a list a mile long of the different attributes that you could apply to me. And black is not in the top 100. Not because I'm not black and not because I'm not happy that God made me the way he made me. He never makes junk. He never makes mistakes. But because that is the least most impactful portion of who I am. And it's the least most impactful portion of who you are because we are all made in the image of Christ. Oh, yeah. It's a Monday, baby. You have onenewsnow.com news and information coming up next. You can go to their website to find out more. I'm Stacey Washington. Good afternoon from the heartland.